Hey, hey, and Podcast for All once again coming to you, episode 12. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. What's new, dude? Uh, you know, getting ready to move. We're getting close now. Within a few weeks, be moving out of this place. So I'm excited. It's a lot of work, though. Got all that shit packed up? Oh, yeah. We got, there, I mean, the whole house is in boxes right now. Nice work. So probably not much uh, Metallica Monday watching going on. Oh, I still got a little bit of Metallica Monday in, for sure. Did you watch it the other night? Yeah, I uh, I watched... I didn't see the whole thing, but I probably saw about three quarters of it. And, man, I love that era. It's a good set list. As the set list wound down, I realized you and I have played every one of those songs from that night live. We could totally mimic that show. Oh, absolutely. Even uh, Master Terium. We've done that quite a few times. Master Terium, uh, Die Darling, So What, King Nothing, pretty straightforward, and uh, I think Battery with three coppers. Battery is probably what the that was probably the most uh, tough song, quote unquote. That was the only uh, what I call blast beat song, even though it's not a blast beat. But you know how I categorize things. Yep, that's just that's the upbeat, fast, heavy. <laughs> pretty cool how they ended with three covers. Caress, So What, Darling. I mean, the only cover we really should be ending with is Bread Fan, but that's all right. No, you mean we should be opening with it? Yeah, like I said, ending with it. And a guitar we haven't seen in a long time or on any Metallica Mondays, the Flying V Green Hot Rod. I believe that's a JH1. Yeah, that guitar is cool. He had that one and then the, uh, what was it, the Orange Flame V as well? Orange got used more, but that uh, that green V... I like the green over the orange. It's sharp. You didn't you didn't see it much. Yeah, I agree. I like I definitely like the green. I think that carried on to as you know, he ended up doing the Grinch later on in the St. Anger era, that green flame. And then the very rare occurrence when he was switching over to Les Pauls, kind of some of that pinstriping. I think it's a JH three. Yes, it is. That is one of my favorite signature guitars of his still to this day. I think my favorite part about it is the fact that it has the checkered flag at the first fret and the twelfth fret. I think that's so cool. Yes, but uh, I don't. I think he only used that from G ninety nine to oh one, and he didn't see it again. He usually used it on fuel. Yeah, that was kind of a weird time with ESP. You know, they had some things going on with changing their body up a little bit. Uh, They're a little bit thicker and more like a Les Paul back in the nineties, where with the newer eclipses like his truckster uh they're a little bit thinner of a body style and they kind of changed it around a little bit so they weren't so much like a les paul but still i mean that guitar is awesome i love it obviously you know more about the axes than i do didn't gibson sue esp around that time yeah it was some i don't know the exact year to be honest but yes there was some lawsuits between gibson and esp for um ESP basically taking almost identical specs of Gibson guitars and rebranding them, if you will, with the ESP name. Explore bodies and the uh, and Les the Paul Le- bodies? Les Pauls, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I missed the Lollapalooza 2020 interview slash snippet. Yeah, I think that was actually from like 
2015, if I recall. I wasn't able to catch all of it, but I saw that the they Chicago had, one. Yeah, they had posted uh, some stuff from that. Some good live footage. Wasn't Lars interviewed? I heard. I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, him with uh, I believe Perry Farrell, if I remember correctly. I did see Rob at the beach unboxing a little S and M two for us. Oh yeah, man, rolling up in his Subaru. The Subaru. Subaru. Was that a Baja? Yeah, it is a Baja. The truck, car, SUV crossover kind of love it. The Swiss Army knife of vehicles. It's amazing that a guy that's worth something like thirty million dollars is driving a thirty thousand dollar car. But that's just Rob. You know, he seems like such a laid back dude. Hey, man, you don't need the Black Pearl to go to the beach and go surfing. No, no, definitely not. $30 million, $30,000 truck, and then Lars and James are probably around the $300 million mark. Yeah, three three fifty somewhere around there. That'll do. Not a bad day at the bank. Uh, before we get to our guest here on episode 12, I take it you saw the sneak peek, actually the release of Moth into Flame from S&M today. Yes, I did. I watched it this morning. And of course, like I, how I felt with, you know, all within my hands when they released that, I absolutely blown away. I'm so excited for SNM2 to come out. It's time, man. Just a few more weeks and we'll be there. But that footage is dynamite. Yeah, I feel like it'll be a good way to uh, kind of break in the new house i'll buy snm2 i'll have the new house no more neighbors around me as far as like the apartment life so i can set up the surround sound crank it up nice and loud anesthesia and Cthulhu will be uh rocking the shingles i might even play those two first good idea you can welcome the neighborhood with ecstasy and they'll go oh what nice neighbors and then it'll kick into Cthulhu and they'll be like oh yeah wait who are these people they're a little younger than us a little bit. How old are you? I'm 27. You young buck, you. Yeah, I know, but I'm an old soul. I still an don't even old... know how to use technology. <laughs> That's why you're still on that AOL dial-up. Oh, I know dial-up well. I remember it's in <laughs> Messenger, man. I had some fun. Isn't that back when you got charged for every IM you sent? Oh, yeah. All those early IMs and even text messages on cell phones, every message you would send, you would get charged for it, or you'd have X amount that you could use throughout the month. And if you went over, you got charged like $80 a text or IM. That adds up quick. Well, enough of the uh, IM talk and dial up. We're on squadcast.fm. You ready for our guest? I am. Let's introduce him. Tonight's guest comes from... Cincinnati, right off of uh, Interstate 71, north of uh, Cincinnati, he hosts an Iced Earth podcast. How cool is that? Oh, that's awesome, man. I dig Iced Earth. They had some great material. Yeah, chat a little bit, little bit about that. Uh, Mr. Chuck Hoskins from Cincinnati, welcome to him Podcast for All. What's up, Chuck? Hello, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Excellent, man. How you doing? I appreciate the opportunity and... Uh... Enjoy your guys' show a lot. It's cool to be on here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, reaching out. We've gone back and forth for a couple weeks trying to iron out a time, but uh, here we are, Chuck. You're uh, between Cincinnati and Dayton? Yeah, it's it's 75, actually, but yeah, it's uh, Middletown. It's right in between Cincinnati and Dayton. 
I-75. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Are you a Bungholes fan? Uh, wearing a jersey right now, so unfortunately I was born into it. <laughs> it's I just, can't see that far down, but boy, how's that for an intro? legacy in. Yeah, so you're born into it. You, you can't hold that against me. Yeah, it's like you, Shane. Even though you live in Florida, you know you're still a Vikings fan at heart. Don't tell too many people, but uh, yeah, 39 years of purple disappointment. Yes, I am. You bleed um, purple and you always will. Sad but true. <laughs> so, Chuck, how long you been a Metallica fan? I've been a Metallica fan since uh, right at the uh, Puppets era. I'll wow. give you a little bit of the intro to my story. Uh, I was uh, 12, 13 when Puppets came out, and in school, there were shirts everywhere of Puppets, and you know who I thought was the older cool kids. And I asked my cousin, I'm like, who, who's this Metallica band I keep seeing? And he says, well, I got the first two albums on cassette. So he burnt me the cassettes of the first two. And, of course, you know, I was used to, I thought that hard rock was, you know, Kiss and ACDC was about all that I had access to at that point. Sure. And then, of course, I, I got the money to get uh, puppets. And I, I still, to this day, remember sitting in my room and hearing the intro to Battery and just knowing that it was something special. I call it this nice, soft, acoustic intro. Where is it going to lead right. into? I remember liking the the Four Horsemen. I'm a wrestling fan, and just all oh, they got a song called The Four Horsemen. I thought as a as a kid, I thought that was so cool. Oh, so you were before you heard Master of Puppets, you had heard Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah. My cousin made me a uh, cassette tape of the first two, and we put it on one of those uh, ninety minute cassette tapes, and. It wasn't even a double cassette burner. It was just two cassette players pushed up against each other. And I forget what song, but for years I listened to uh, one of the songs when my mom would came in and said, turn that down. So that's old technology. You had two boom boxes facing each other to record onto the tape? Yeah. That's awesome. for the first two. For the first two, and then it wasn't long after that I called up with the originals and, you know, started getting the singles, and and I got Justice and everything on when it came out. So hearing something like Four Horsemen and then moving on into Master of Puppets, what were your thoughts? Because, I mean, those are obviously two, you know, very different sounding records, you know, Kill Em All and Puppets. You know... I'm trying to think back to to 13 year old me. I don't remember like analyzing or spending a lot of time on it. I liked all three records, but mm. I knew there was something special about puppets right away. Oh, absolutely. And um, and maybe it was just the, the sound quality at first. But it's funny some of the tracks that I skipped as a kid, I couldn't imagine skipping them now. Like I remember, for some reason as a kid, I didn't like Sanitarium. Oh wow! And then, and then <laughs> what? Thirteen-year-old me. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe it wasn't fast enough at the time, but you know, you're like, this shit's too clean. Let's get to disposable. Too soft. I. It's funny you say that because disposable was probably my favorite song for the first couple of years off of that. Yeah. So I have to ask: when you record boombox to boombox, how shitty does that sound? It sounds awful. But <laughs> but when you're 12, 13, and you right. don't have disposable income, and, you know, my mom was one of those that, you know, heavy metal's the devil, 
she wasn't exactly, you know, saying, here's $20, go buy you some filth. At that point, you got to get creative. Oh, I remember when uh, going up to the store and not having a lot of money when the 590 p came out and was so excited that it was only $6. What a deal. What a deal. And God, I loved it. I still love it. You got to love it that when they actually put a price on something back then, that's what the price was because that <clears throat> CD now is not five ninety eight. I think the CD is in a CD, do you say nine ninety nine? Yeah, on the on the shrink wrap stuff with the sticker. So it's funny how I have the five ninety eight EP on vinyl, and I paid oh one hundred and fifty for it. One hundred and fifty. What uh, pressing is it? The good one. Okay. <laughs> the one that matters. Yeah, but five ninety eight. That's back then. Record stores couldn't do anything about it. That's what it was, and that's a great idea. It was the CD was very hard to get for a while, and then you know once the resurgence of the inter, or the surgence of the internet and eBay, it was easy to find stuff like that. I used to go to uh, records uh, conventions and stuff for like rare Kiss stuff and bootlegs and stuff. I've al- I've always liked bootlegs. All the live stuff, Chuck? All the live stuff. Anything that, uh, even when the, at the Black Era, I remember just going crazy to uh, find the singles that had like So What and stuff. I mean, sure. 20, $29, $35 was a lot to pay for it. Just a two-song CD in 1991. Oh, yeah. I remember back when I was a kid, I'd go up to the record store that was just right around the corner from my parents' house. And at the time, I didn't really know why those imports were so expensive. But I was like, man, these things look so cool. And I'd buy right. a couple of them anyways, just because I thought they were cool. And then you get to hear something rare that you really you know, couldn't find. Now, yeah. obviously, with YouTube, it's, it's a shame, kind of, because, I mean, it, you can find it all. But then it takes away from, like, the special, you know, quality of having that physical copy of a single right. bootleg. Sorry. Right. I, I'm very much a physical media person. I don't I put everything into my computer and listen to it on my iPod, but I, I have to have the vinyl and the, the CD. I'm just kind of weird like that. I have to look at it. And, oh, yeah. I still like having CDs. Yeah. The goofy part about S&M 2 coming out, I don't have a CD player anymore, and I still want the CD version. Just so you can have that physical copy, just to have it. The physical copy, because they all line up in my collection well, but my car doesn't have a CD player. My phone is Bluetooth into my car now. And then my smart TV is all YouTube and basically everything's streaming in Bluetooth in my house. Hashtag welcome to 2020. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. But even for the price, I still want the CD because it's going on the shelf with you know the other 39 years worth. Yep, I agree. I do the same thing. Since you were in the Ride the Lightning Puppets era, when's the first time you saw them live? The first time I saw them live was uh, 94. Okay. It was uh, outside with uh, Danzig and Suicidal Tendencies. And that was was in Cincinnati. Shit Hits the Shed tour? Yes. Summer Shit? That was my first outside concert. The mullet era. It was, but... Killer set list, Disposable Live. Oh, yeah. Their set list in that time were awesome. I love that they started off with Bread Fan. I always, I always love listening to you guys. <laughs> I, 
I love listening to you guys argue about that because I'm a I'm a bread fan, book in fan. I think it oh, should be yeah. first for last. Well, now that this interview is over, thanks, Chuck. It was it was a good interview. I said I'm a Brad fan bookend. <laughs> I think it should end or start a show. I was oh, trying to win you over, Jeff. He's trying to win you over beginning or end. <laughs> I'll give you with ending with Brad fan, but I just, you know, we've discussed this many times before. It's just not yes. the best opener. That's my opinion. I don't think when that. He I- said summer, when he said summer shit, I was about ready to go there, but then he brought it up and I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah, see, you knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll never live it down. So that was that was my live introduction to Metallica. I've only seen a couple shows, but I've seen uh, countless decades of live bootlegs and and tribute bands and everything. So ninety four in the sheds. That's that's a hell of a show for your first one. That was a great tour, like Jeff said. Yeah. So of the few shows that you've seen, what one stands out the most for you? It would probably be that one. The only I've only seen two shows. I've seen that one, and I got to see the Reload at the same venue, and that's where they another, did a couple another outdoor one at the end. Yep. Okay. So I I really enjoy the I'm a, a an acoustic guy, so I really loved that I got to see them play acoustically. I know they did uh, Low Man's, which I love, and oh, cool. I can't for I think it was uh Four Horsemen that they did with it. Yep. Maybe Motor Breath or Last Caress. See, I, I should know that but I don't know that offhand. Great era though in uh outdoor show. Yeah. So So those those are the two uh live shows that I've seen in person. But more to come hopefully as soon as this madness is over. Absolutely. In your email, you you sent us Chuck. You told us you're a big time collector. Tell us a little bit how that started. Well, I I've always loved collecting physical media. I, it started when I was uh, young with Metallica and Kiss. Um, that was back in the cassette era days, and just I would go to uh, this is probably ninety one ninety four. I would go to any record convention I could go to, and uh, a lot of Beatles and stuff like that that I wasn't into, but you had the occasional guy that had the uh, the metal stuff that I liked. So I always liked, I'm a completionist. I always have to have every release, but there's something about even a, a subpar recording that's live that's got a cool cover that I've always been a sucker for. Oh, yeah. If it's something that's, you know, that's uncommon. I mean, I found an old Metallica bootleg. It was a live bootleg recording and it actually was with ron and dave still in the band and i actually have that physical cd still the recording is absolutely terrible but just the fact that you know four horsemen is still mechanics and that you know just knowing that those two were still in the band at that time it's pretty cool is it called night of the rivet heads i think it might be yeah i haven't i'd have to go back to my uh to my cd collection i haven't visited it in quite some time but yeah that sounds about right yeah i have that one that's a that's decent for the time oh yeah i mean for the time the fact that you you know the music is still audible it's like all right i'll take it you know it's right you you can only imagine what it was recorded with you know a little microphone and a cassette or something 
No, they were using Chuck's two boomboxes facing each other. Yeah, yeah, they had the <laughs> PA speakers facing a boombox recording. That's how they made the No Life to Leather demo, two booms. Right? That's awesome. <laughs> two ghetto blasters. I love the ghetto blasters. That's what we called them. I had one when I was a kid. Put it up on my shoulder. I wouldn't. Rocking around the 90s with that. <laughs> but I lived in the hood. It was so simple back then. Though. I had to walk around with it. I didn't have my guitar, I had my music. (laughs) So, yeah, I've always been a collector, and just recently, over the last year, with uh, I I got my first box set, which was uh, Ride the Lightning, and as soon as I got into it, and I got into the live CDs, and just the the book and everything, I had to have them all. So, just a couple weeks ago, I finally got Justice to complete the set. Nice. Funny how the Justice one, the Justice one's a lot thicker than the Kill 'Em All one, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> a picture of the Black Album, right? That's what I was just thinking that I. There's so many things that they could do as far as live shows and stuff that's been recorded. Yeah, I'm thinking. Just think of everything from the studio, and then they hit the road for oh, I don't know, four years and played almost every country and the guns and roses tour and the Grammys. It's like, I think that photo booklet's going to be 200 pages thick. Right. Well, and if they, if they include the whole, uh, seek and destroy fan part, that's 40 minutes, you know, the CDs, right. go, the CDs go from two to three discs too. That kind of eats away. Still spinning vinyl. I still spin vinyl. I have cool. a, a nice setup with a, a pretty cool, uh, vintage Fisher, and it's got a pretty good setup and sounds great. I'm really happy with the sound of it right now. My dad's really into vinyl, and I've been buying him vinyls, and every time we go over there, we'll throw a record on, and I'm always just amazed by how full the sound is and how warm it is. I love the experience that you have to take in the whole album. You don't just you know listen to track, tracks 2, 6, and 7. You, you know You put it on, and you invest the time, and you soak it in. There's no shuffle on there. Right. And well, and then all the, you know, the pictures and everything that's, you know, in the sleeve of the vinyl, it's always cool to look at that. And yeah, man, I love vinyl. Vinyl, it has soul, you know? Right. My only complaint about vinyl as a metal fan is like when I put on a Maiden album or some of my Ice Dirt, the songs are long. So you're flipping after like, Sometimes only two songs. Yeah, two, three songs. It's like, all right, flip it over. Sometimes just one. You know, if you put like a some Maiden ones, it's like, okay, one song, flip it. That'd be a Dream dream Theater record. One right. song, flip it. <laughs> no, the Outlaw Torn. Up next. Yeah, right. So I've never invested in those, like uh, the box sets where it's just one song per side. Right. Because I don't think I would listen to them. Yeah, it's a little excessive to have to, you know, do that much work after each song. Chuck, how long have you been an Iced Earth fan? I have been an Iced Earth fan since uh, 1998. Nice. There was a, a magazine called Metal Edge. Are you guys familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And before the internet, that was my reviews. That was how I saw cool album covers, and that's how I, sure. you know, if you, if you like, black sabbath listen to this and so i kept seeing these uh the pictures the promo ads so so 98 that's something wicked this way comes that was some that was something wicked so 
That's my favorite album still to this day by them. I had a buddy of mine who I said, I start this coming to Annie's down the street. I said, have you ever heard of them? And so he let me borrow a couple of his CDs and instantly I was hooked. Yeah. They're like almost the modern day maiden. Right. Exactly. I always say they're maiden, but a little bit better. That's just my opinion. <laughs> well, but, I uh, mean, they're, they're good. I, I don't <laughs> know. That's, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a bold statement. <laughs> I'll, I'll stand by it. Um, They've got some really good songs that uh, Matt Barlow was singing at the time, so I got to see the Something Wicked tour twice. And then... God, he had such a powerful voice. Oh, it, he's amazing still. When and did Dark they, Saga come out? Dark Saga came out in 96. Yeah, I've got that one. I I was That's a great one. You can listen to start to finish, no problem. Oh, absolutely. Some of the coolest artwork, too. Yes. Yeah, they always, the reason I picked it off the shelf. They always had some pretty wild artwork going on. So, yeah, we were actually lucky enough to interview uh, Matt Barlow, the singer, that a couple times on our podcast. So. Oh, wow. So you have an Iced Earth podcast, Chuck. I do have an Iced Earth podcast. It started a couple of years ago. Just It cool. basically started from me really getting into YouTube and seeing all these unboxings. And I've always been a Metallica Kiss Maiden fan. And they've got their own sites, their own podcasts and stuff. But nobody was ever talking about Iced Earth. So I was like, I'm going to do it. If 10, 15 people watch it, that's cool. Good for you. What's it called? It's called Podcast in Stone. Oh, cool. And we've been going for two years now. I think we've got about 60 videos on there, including interviews. Is it you and uh, another guy, or how many people? It's me and a guy named Jason Brett, who I found doing an unboxing on YouTube. He's actually from uh, London, over in Britain. Oh, wow. And I thought me and Shane were far away from each other. Yeah, so we have a five-hour time difference. So sometimes, you know, if we're doing an interview with somebody in California, he's five hours ahead of me. They're four hours behind me, so... Sometimes it's a, a pain to get it going, but it works. That's a scheduling nightmare. <laughs> it is. It's funny. Last week we had uh, Michael on from the Billy Joel podcast, and he lives in Washington, and his uh, co-host is in Florida. They've never met. It seems more popular than I thought it was. I didn't know. At the time, I didn't know any diehard Iced Earth fans. I know a lot now because of our group and our sure. community, but, you know, that's one thing I love about having a podcast is you gain so much friendship just from people, you know, look at this album and, you know, I've, I've been trading with people and, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. How many episodes with, um, podcast and stone Chuck? I don't know the exact number. I'm thinking about 60. Good for you. Ice earth has had tons of members. So I've reached out to a lot of them and we've got to, do probably 15, 20 interviews with previous members and current members. That's incredible. Congratulations. That's awesome. I went to the meet and greet uh, a couple of years ago in Cincinnati and to walk into the meet and greet and everybody just says, Hey Chuck, it's, it's pretty awesome feeling. There you go, Jeff, uh, Kirk, Lars and James. Hey Jeff, how you doing buddy? Oh yeah. Hey man, what's up? That's like us getting like, you know, Jason or Dave (laughs) or, you know, Ron. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. I hope you guys do. 
we're working on it, Chuck, one by one. You never know who's going to hear it, and you can only dream, right? And I, I won't go into it too much because we're here to talk Talica, but uh, something pretty cool happened through our podcast. We did an interview with the original Ice Earth uh, singer Gene Adam. He only did one album with the band. And he hadn't talked to the leader of the band, John Schaefer, for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we filmed the interview. We put it out there, and I, I start sharing it everywhere. I think I shared it on one of the Iced Earth Facebook pages. Well, John Schaefer saw the interview, reached out to Gene Adam, and it's the first time they had talked for 20 years. So they become friends again, and what? they decide that, they decide to go back and re-record five demos that were just kind of sitting around. So a couple of years ago, they released John Schaefer's Purgatory. With so your 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 podcast reunited them. It did, and also the original oh, uh, shit. guitarist Bill Owen. So they went back and redid it, and then we get thanked in the linear notes like five times. Oh, that is so cool. By name. Yeah, that's so, definitely wow. a very huge honor. Yeah. It, it's it's about the coolest, I'm not going to lie. That is amazing. So John and, and Gene, it would have never happened without your episode. Right. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. Bowing down to you, dude. <laughs> it, it's, it's cool. So I think we might be the only podcast that's ever changed the history of the band that we follow. That is absolutely incredible. Congratulations. Until you guys get Jason back. <laughs> I'll yeah, let you right. know when it happens. <laughs> At this point, they might as well rename the band to Ice Chuck. Right. Good job, well, man. That's awesome. No one's bowing down to the Phantom Lord. They're bowing down to Chuck Hoskins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's an incredible story. It It's just a one of those things of luck and just, you know, right place, right time. And It almost sounds like it was meant to be. He didn't click on a podcast. It was actually the YouTube video of that particular episode that he stumbled across. Yeah, our you our podcast is only on YouTube. Okay. So so we put a link out there, and he saw it and watched it, and he's actually watched several of our interviews, which is kind of intimidating. You know, that's incredible, man. Yeah, but also very flattering at the same time. It is, but you also you know it it almost makes you kind of watch what you say a little bit. Oh yeah, I tr- I try not to censor myself in any way or say I like something I don't. But it's weird knowing that the people who played on it are going to watch it. Yeah, boy, that'd be a different dynamic. Yeah, if I knew that the boys were listening to this, I no, I wouldn't change what I say. Just be yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible, Chuck. That's a great story. Wow. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, thanks for letting me tell it. So I found you guys a couple of months ago uh, on Stitcher. And I've really enjoyed listening to uh, your episodes. I, I love that you guys are from a tribute band. I was talking to you before we went on. I've always been a, a huge tribute band guy. I've seen multi, probably hundreds of tribute shows. For tributes, my biggest bright bitch about Kiss is the same 14 songs every year. Right. And they have a great, great catalog. You know, you go to a tribute band, you never know what you're going to see. Yeah, that's most big bands or artists that have been in the industry for so long i mean kiss i mean metallica will change it up here and there but i mean 80 percent of their set list is the same i've seen jovi a handful of times and i mean 
again, kind of like Metallica, where every once in a while you'll get something a little bit different, but it's going to be the same set list every time. Metallica does a really good job of throwing those two or three spots in there that could be anything. I always love that, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely one of the few bands where they'll add yes. in a little bit different. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, majority of their set list is always going to be the same. You know that you're going to hear Enter Sandman and Nothing Else Matters. And and a Kiss set list for the last 22 years. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't changed. With- I'm going to tell you right now, they opened with Detroit Rock and the last three songs, Beth, Black Diamond, Rock and Roll Night. Sounds about right. Was I close, Chuck? That's exactly right. <laughs> you might even be able to extend that to the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Basically, since the reunion tour, they've just cut it down to 15 songs. Since Farewell yeah. number one and Reunion number 12. <laughs> And Sonic Boom switches out with Psycho Circus, and that's the only change. <laughs> that literally, that was like, all right, well, this was the next newest song, so here, here's a single. And I love Kiss, don't get me wrong, but from the shows I've seen in, in the late 90s on their you know 74th farewell tour to the shows now, it's like, dude, I know it's going to go Beth, Black Diamond, Rock and Roll. How do you not change this, and how does that not bore the shit out of you every night playing that? Because Kiss's live show doesn't matter if they play the same <laughs> set list every night. People don't care. That That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Load up the pyro. Let's do it. Yeah, pyro and confetti. That's about it. As long as you got the uh, four people out there with the live mics or unlive mics, depending on who you talk to. That's a very good point. Yeah. I guess we'll never know, right? I don't know. I think Paul still sings. I think Paul's always been a great singer. I think he's one of the best rock front men in history. Yes, he absolutely. is one of the greatest ever, but I also think that 10 years ago he should have stopped. Wow. Not not playing. Here, Here's what I would have loved for Kiss to do for the farewell tour. I would have loved for him to say, look, I've gave you guys 40 years of my life. I'm, I can't sing anymore. My voice is tired. <laughs> I want to come out and say goodbye to everybody. Can I come out and play guitar and sing one song for you guys? Just my opinion. I, I've seen him just sound god awful and then just sound perfect the next night. And I I don't think it's accurate. That's because when he has his banter in between songs, he says people every other word. People! Yep. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> nice work, Jeff. You should be a kiss front man. Oh, dude, Like I cut my teeth on Kiss. That was even before Metallica. People, we've been to this city before. People, we love the people of Indianapolis. All people, put your hands up in the air. All people, you look so good, people. (laughs) All right. That's it. I feel like I'm at a Kiss show. Yeah, I've seen him quite a few times. I still love him, but it's like, oh, boy, it's the same show. Here we go again. Yeah, but does it ever really get old? No, it's one hell of a show. <laughs> it's yeah. one big party and everyone's smiling and singing along. And at the end of the day, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, you can't help but just be happy when you leave a Kiss show. <laughs> mm-hmm. As, and Gene's happy, too, as he's making his way to the bank with that, you know, $4 million check. Off to the golf stream. Right. I had tickets for September for Dayton, and I'm sure it's not going to happen, but... That's like $400 just tied up that I wish they'd just cancel it and reschedule, but who knows what's going to happen with that. When 
whenever they reschedule their end of the world tour here, um, or end of the run, whatever they called it, I'm going to have to find a way to go see that show. I don't care where I have to go. No, I've seen them and Maiden within the same month. Solid. Maiden was just amazing. Maiden was the first metal band I've ever got into, and even after all these years, I still have yet to see them live. I've missed them every time. I've either not been home, or it just they it didn't work with my schedule. Somehow, I've missed them every time, and I'm that's got to change. <laughs> <laughs> you want to jump in the fire and uh, take a stab at it? I will. I I I don't think I'm gonna do as good as I'm not a date guy, but I'll do the best I can. Everybody says that, and everyone does just fine. Now I'm doing just fine, Clark. Just fine, Edward. Can I refill your eggnog for you? Get you something to eat? Drive you out to the middle of nowhere? Leave you for dead? No, I'm doing just fine, Clark. Is the house on fire, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> you yes. Your damn cat. Is your house on fire, Clark? No, Bethany. Those are Christmas lights. Is Rusty still in the Navy? <laughs> Still in the Navy. The blessing. Grace, she died 30 years ago. Grace, she passed away 30 years ago. <laughs> they want you to say grace. The blessing. I think it's time we jump in the fire, gentlemen. Jump in the fire, yes. All right, Jeff, take it away. All right, question number one. The working title, When Hell Freezes Over, became what song? That is the call of Cthulhu. Dude, nicely done. That's a hard question right out of the gate. Right, and you didn't even stumble over it. And here you were saying, you know, you're feeling a little on the edge. Man, not bad. It's, well, all, those, it's all those bootlegs. Right? It's all the, the uh, demo bootlegs from the Ride the Lightning era, yes. Right on. Nice all right. work, dude. Question number two. Jeff, you didn't even know that. I'm not going to lie. I would have really had to think about that one. I knew that answer, but it would have taken me a minute. There you go. All right, question number two. What was the first music video off of the Load album? I don't... I'm going to go with uh, Until It Sleeps. Ding, ding, ding. Is that it? That is it. correct answer and a really good educated guess. I knew, I knew it was either that or King Nothing. Yeah, it was Sleeps. All right, question number three. What is track number six on Kill 'em All? Cue the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with No Remorse. Ooh, a tough break, man. That's not the answer we were looking for. This is not the car I ordered. Dad, this is not the car you ordered. Take it easy, Rusty. Ed, uh, this is not the car I ordered. Um, the answer we were looking hey, for... <laughs> the answer we were looking for was Whiplash. Oh, uh, dang it. One, two, four, three, two and a half. All right, question number four. How many Hardwire songs were played live at SNM 2? SNM 2. 
I want to go with three. Ding, 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 ding. You are correct, nice. sir. Nice answer. All right. With, conf oh, with sorry, confusion, side note, confusion was really a, a surprise. <laughs> confusion was confusing to all of us. Yes. We're still confused. All right, question number five. What is one of the two names Lars considered to name the band? That's tough. Uh, I've I've heard this somewhere, um, but I'm not going to waste your time. I got nothing. I'm not going to be surprised. All right. So the answers we were looking for were Blitzer or Red Vet. That's a tough one, though. That's a that's yeah, a I, deep question. I I would not have guessed that ever. Can you imagine them today? If the name didn't matter and they were called Blitzer. Red Vet. Pizzle would Blitzer love sounds that. better than Red Vet. Uh, Blitzer would have a cooler logo. Yeah. But Red Hi, Vet. Hi, this is James be... and Lars from Red Vet. That's like a wedge <laughs> of cheese, man. Like, is this an 81 C2? <laughs> I think that might have been a C3 at that point. <laughs> okay, sorry. You're the car guy, dude. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, imagine their logo, Red Vet, Master of Puppets. Red Corvette on the cover of Kill Em All. <laughs> Drive Em All. <laughs> yes. Metal up your vet. <laughs> oh, that could have been... Metal up a, your transmission. Yeah, a completely different story. I guess Motor Breath would have fit really well. Oh, that would have been the title track. That would have been it. Motor breath on motor breath. Yeah, that, that might have been that might have been the all she wrote. They put out the one album and that was it. Right. Alright, Chuck, ready for number six? Yes. Metallica Knight at a hockey game was in support of which NHL team? Hmm. I seen some member a pick on that just the other night on eBay. I'm not a hockey person, so Vancouver. Good guess. Probably, same conference. Probably. I'm not a hockey guy, so sorry about that. Looking for the San Jose Sharks, Bay Area hockey. I should have guessed. I probably would have guessed the Kings if I would have thought of that, though. But Same conference again. Okay. No right. problem. Uh, number seven is uh, name that lyric. So I'll give you the lyrics and you tell me the song, okay? All righty. Number seven. And someone there is sighing, Keepers of the Flames, do you feel your name? You probably saw them play it live that second time you saw them. I guarantee he did. I, I know it. As soon as, as soon as you tell me, I'm going to be aggravated with myself. Just like I was aggravated a couple of weeks ago when Jeff gave me struggle with it, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't hear that. I remember that. If you could just talk to sing it the way he sang it in the song i would know better jeff you want to sing it oh no that will give it away i know <laughs> this is tough if you don't hear it in the context you're yeah you're used to fuel keepers of the flames do you feel your name that was awful on my part I, I, I'm so close, but what is it? 
hero of the day. He was one album forward. <laughs> oh, he was so close. I don't know whether they played Hero of the Day on the Reload Tour. Did oh, they? Oh, man, I swear they probably did. I thought they did in that era, too. Actually, I'm going to look it up. Where did you Where did you see him in Cincinnati? Cincinnati at Riverbend. Riverbend Music Center? Yep. Watch, that of course, been that night they didn't play it. 98? 98. Stand by. Remember the date? No, it was summer. I found it here. Hold on. July 7th. Okay. Oh my god, they opened up with Helpless? Dude. Yes. Wow. He has seen some interesting set lists, to say the least. His first show, they opened up with Bread Fan, and then he sees them open up with Helpless. Like, do these guys ever open up with their own material? I kind of like that. I think the perfect show is a cover into Creeping. Yeah, they did a cover into Puppets. Puppets. Wow, what a start. Wow. I think it was the False Goodnight era. Yes. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, thank you. Good night. And you also got Wolf, Thing, Bleeding Me, God, he Sleeps. Great tracks. Yeah, I was I was wrong, gentlemen. They did not play Hero of the Day. Damn. I still should have knew it, but moving forward. The acoustics were Low Man's, Four Horse, and Motor. Okay. How about Motor this Motor didn't lend itself as well to acoustic. How about this for a closer? Creeping Death. Ooh, I want to try that someday. That's a hell of a closer. Have we ever closed with that? I think it's better at the beginning of the set, to be honest. Yeah, it's when we write set lists, it's so hard not to open up with Creep because it's just so perfect. It's definitely still my number one favorite song to open up with. That being said, I would someday in the future, at just some point, I think it would be cool to throw it at the end just to see how it is. All right, Chuck, on to number eight. Ash to Ash, Dust to Dust, Fade to Black. That's Memory Remains. I know that one. Nicely done. There you go. I'm just so glad you didn't say Fade to Black. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they said Fade to Black? It must be Fade to Black. Number nine. Vaccine. Fame does the murdering. She builds up for destruction. Is that Moth into the Flame? Dude, wow. that's that's a good answer. <laughs> nice work. I've I heard that song about fifteen times a day. That's your jam, so, huh? Well, it, it was just released today. Symphony. Oh, you cranked it fifteen times a day. Oh yeah. There you go. I love that vaccine part. An ex-girlfriend of mine thought he was saying flaxseed. Oh, how healthy. <laughs> That's organic. You mean he's not saying backseat? <laughs> <laughs> now that you've said that, I've never I'm gonna think that's what it is from now on. Backseat. <laughs> is she is he saying flaxseed? I said, uh, no, try again as I roll my eyes. That's when he said no, he said black sheep. 
Oh, oh that's classic. <laughs> I love that movie. And the final question. Yes. The final question in Jump in the Fire with Mr. Chuck Hoskins from Cincinnati. Number 10. Which injuries... Oh, this is easy. Which injuries did James Hetfield sustain while on the Guns N' Roses tour? Was it a compound fracture, third-degree burns, or a concussion? Third-degree burn. Ding, ding, ding. That was in Canada. I can't remember the city. Yes, it was. It was frostbite. Montreal with the French. And that was actually during Fade to Black. Dude, there's your bonus point. Double neck ESP. Yep. And Jason looks so confused when they stop playing. He said, oh no, uh I'm not going to be a millionaire anymore. I got plans for these millions and it ain't for sandwiches. Ain't for fucking (laughs) sandwiches. That's right. (laughs) The classic Newstead and the catering line. As a kid, I watched those videos so much. Oh, we grew up on them too. It's just... A year and a half was so... Cincinnati, Squisher Mall, you don't know how many times I've sang that to myself going to a concert. Cincinnati. Where are you? Under, Under my, my feet. feet. We had that on a sample last week. Yep. Yep. We have made lots of samples from year and a half. Hey, and that means a lot to Chuck because he's a Cincinnati guy. Well, you know yeah. what? I think we can use that sample again. Why not? All right, let's add him up. He got Cthulhu, Sleeps. How many songs on S&M? Uh, Memory, Moth, and Hetfield's Injuries. Six out of ten, Chuck. Nice work. I'll take it. Nicely done, man. Those are tough. And I thought that first question was the hardest of them all with the uh, Cthulhu working title. Well, like I said, I, I have been diving into the box sets, and some of those CDs still have it marked as Hell Freezes Over. So... Good point. Good point. I haven't looked through the lightning box lately. I've still been living in the uh, the Justice area. God, that's so awesome. Loving the uh, the Seattle '89 vinyl. I mean, that's the only era that truly matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop! So, Jeff, when the Saint Anger box comes out, what the hell are they going to put in that? I don't know. A bunch of pictures of Phil's sweater and shit. <laughs> You know, Hawaiian shirt, eh? An inflatable red fist. Hey, if I could get a, yeah, I'll take it. I'll hang it from the ceiling like a pinata. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you guys a question about that. And I've wondered this. Do you think it's going to have, because I thought for sure when Justice came out that it was going to have a redone version with bass. Do you think they're going to leave it as is, or do you think they're going to touch it up? They will not. It's going to happen. Nope, they're not going to touch it. It's... They feel so adamant about what they do that once they release something, it's out there, it's in history, and that's it. I mean, what's done is done, and I feel like they all feel pretty adamant about that. Do you think the Presudio stuff is going to make it to that box, or do you think they're going to save that for a special release? That's a good point. I think that'll be the perfect time when they release all the all the Presidio stuff because you can find bits and pieces of it on YouTube, but to hear like the full segments from that era, I mean, that's a good point. I forgot about those sessions. We can finally hear temptation here. The full version. That's more. I think all that you hear on YouTube is like a minute, a half or two minutes is all you can find of it. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to hear the echo chamber in full. Delete that. 
<laughs> Delete that. That's a good point. That Presidio stuff could be a lot of that that box set. Well, and they they did some some of their lesser known covers. I have all the the singles. It's got all the uh, the Ramon songs. Those are actually some good songs. They were some good covers. That's some rare stuff that I think a lot of people kind of overlook and forget that they did. Just because of that era, I feel like. A lot of, you know, majority of the fans, they kind of just push that whole, you know, 2001 to 2004 era. They kind of just push it to the back burner a little bit. Sure. That's when they played that gig at Chemo's with Bob Rock. And he wouldn't stop smiling. Playing Ramon's tunes. Yeah. I think Commando is up there with some of the other songs, but it, it doesn't get the attention at all. I'd agree with you 100%. Now, like, now I want to sniff some glue is okay. We're a happy family is okay. Creed and Hop is decent. What a name of a song. Now I want to stiff, sniff some glue. Oh, dude, that's punk rock, though. That's I love it. That punk rock attitude, I don't give a shit rules. And it seemed fitting, especially at that time period, that Metallica kind of reverted back to their old, you know, kind of fuck it all attitude. Sounds like a misfit song title. That's why they pushed the boundaries and said, fuck it with the snare drum. They're like, we're going to do whatever mm-hmm. we want. Love it. If you were stuck on an island, okay. would there be a St. Anger song? Uh, do I got 12 tracks? You got, you five. got five for the rest of your oh. life, stuck with a bloody volleyball and Tom Hanks. There would not be a St. Anger track, no. Oh, man, you're breaking my heart. Don't tell me Brad Fan's <laughs> going to be on there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the first track would be it. Brad Fan. Yeah, first song has to be Brad Fan, and the last one's going to be Brad Fan, too. Are we, are we talking only Metallica five songs? I would have to say uh, Merciful Fate, just because how Ooh. it's almost like cheating and getting five songs. Dude, that's a great idea. It's long as hell, and you get five, like you said. That's, oh, yeah. that's a first for us on the show. Plus, I love it. Um. Creeping Death is a song I've heard a million times, and the million and one time I hear it, I'll love it just the same. I have to go back to the Merciful Fate. My favorite lyric in that is, I was born in the cemetery. (laughs) One of the greatest lyrics ever. I love that one. (laughs) So cool. Great cover. All right, Merciful one, and then you said Creep? Merciful, Creeping Death, um, Jesus, uh, probably uh, Outlaw from the Symphony. I like it. There you go, Jeff. Yes, and our Outlaw train is still rolling. I love it. Keep it rolling strong, people. It got interrupted last week, but it's back. It is back. The Thing That Should Not Be. Ooh, Ooh, that's a new one. And my favorite metallic song, Blackened. Hey, that's Shane's favorite too. Chuck and Shane on the Blackened Train for Life. Justice is so sentimental to me. That's always going to have a special, you know, high school tie-in and Mm -hmm. just the the long songs. I remember driving like five minutes or ten minutes to work and just getting one song in. That was kind of my joke for like a year. It's like time to go for a ride, time to get one song in. That's a great list, man. That's that's one of the most diverse we've had. You know, I've been thinking about all these lists that people have been making and 
you know, all the different songs have been said. And there's been a couple times where we've, you know, given an extra, you know, as we call it, the volleyball song for Wilson. And I was thinking I need to add one more song to my list because I, I came across it the other day. Not that no. I came across it for the first time. No, but no, no. I got to add Unforgiven no. too. I have to. Too late. That's the worst of the Unforgiven trilogy. <laughs> Did you say I, the worst, Chuck? It, it's my least favorite of the three. The Ooh. second one is. Oh, that's the yeah. best one. <laughs> my my uh, my Unforgiven ranking is three one two. Wow! Write that down. I've never ever in my life heard anyone say they liked Unforgiven three more than anything. That's interesting. One might be a little bit of the fatigue factor. I feel like three over one and two. That's more surprising than me putting Sane Anger before Puppets and Ride See, the Lightning. See, to me, it's a standout on uh, Death Magnetic. <sighs> and SNM2. I can't wait. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear it on SNM2. But that's, three, that's one, one thing two. I love about podcast is they, to, and I'm sure there's somebody talking to their phone or TV right now saying, that guy's a moron. No way three is better than one and two. That iced earth guy from Cincinnati is fucking crazy. Right. <laughs> I think it's fucking cool, man. That's a hell of a list, Chuck. Merciful Fate, Creeping Death, Outlaw Torn, the heaviest song known to mankind, the thing that should not be, and Blackened. That's awesome. I love it. Merciful Fate alone just makes it the most unique one we've had. <laughs> That's a first. If if I could put Garage Inc. in the regular ranking, I'd probably put it about fourth. I mean, wow. I had I had a Garage Inc. song in my top five. I put Turn the Page in there. So, Jeff, you're just driving along today and Unforgiven 2 comes on you. What? Oh, shit. That was on my island list. Yeah. I, you know. I, or just grab you differently. No, I mean, that song has always been like a very, very close, you know, sentimental song that I've loved dearly. And I just. I feel like sometimes I just overlook it and yeah, I just, it was on shuffle and it came on. I'm like, dude, I could listen to this song over and over again. And it, that's when it clicked. I'm like, man, I need to add this. It needs to be my Wilson song. It's in stone. Now we'll add it. Bam. Chuck, it's been fun, man. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys taking the time with me and I've really enjoyed uh, talking music with you guys. Oh yeah. It's been a good time, man. Thank you. Great discussion. Thanks for reaching out. Of course, you can reach us anytime and podcastforall at gmail.com. That was episode 12, Mr. Chuck Hoskins, host of the Iced Earth podcast, podcast in stone with uh, Mr. Jason Brett from the UK. Boy, that's pretty cool. Iced Earth um, pretty much gets back together because of Chuck Hoskins. With the original lineup, yes. They're still together with their current lineup. All right, Jeff, we got to get a hold of McGovney and Mustaine. We got this. You guys got to get it together. No life to leather box set. No life to leather box set. Just said. All right, here's your booklet. It's five pages. Enjoy. And you have to go back to that era when we saw Dave unloading that cabinet from the U-Haul. Yes. <laughs> That'd be the picture on the back of the box set. Chuck, thanks again. We're definitely going to check out the podcast, and uh, let's keep in touch. Anytime, my friend. All right, Chuck, take care. Have a good one, man. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Cincinnati, squish them all. Where are you? Under my feet.
Yeah! 